is a desolate place. It reminds me of death and fear. Oh, no. It's Scott. What are you two doing helping these Americans? Don't you know America thinks it owns Canada along with the rest of the world? You're a dick, Scott. You're a dick. And by helping Americans, you're just as smelly as they are. Now I'm going to get you. Not so fast, Scott. Who the hell are you? I'm Steve the Newfoundlander. And you're a Newfoundland property now. Canada, it starts off normal. The further east you go, the crazier it gets. Like Newfoundland is like Newfoundland is like the crazy uncle that you don't introduce to friends. My name is Captain Kidd, as I sailed, as I sailed, oh, my name is Captain Kidd, as I sailed. Realized not a moment too soon, but this is my one small step, this is my walk on the moon. But you never leave a love so rare. We are indoors this week. No yeah. birds chirping, no <laughs> dogs barking. I had one beer three hours ago and then actually promptly fell asleep. So I am not drunk doing this episode, not drinking during it. No, um, no cigars for me. There you go. I don't think that had anything to do with the vocal quality, though. No, but uh, sometimes I'd get a little, uh, I'd lean into the cigar and be like, rrr, rrr, you know? Oh, you'd talk with it in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always fun. Um, yes, no, 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 nothing like that. This is a poison-free episode of Canada FM as oh, we I'm, continue on our discussion of Great Big C. All I'm running on is fried chicken. <laughs> oh, you had fried chicken for dinner? Yeah. What'd you do, old uh, KFC, or did you hit up the Popeyes? Uh, neither, actually. Mary Brown's. Now there's one. We just got our first Popeyes up here at Thunder Bay. We have not had Mary Brown's before. I understand Mary Brown's is a big deal in Atlantic Canada and has now found found its way to Southern Ontario. Yes, because uh, if you walk in the restaurant, it's all, uh, I think it's St. John's actually, fitting that yeah. we're talking about Great Big C. Uh, so it's all like pictures of like housing on in like St. John's because you know how they have those very signature kind of row home kind of things. You always see those pictures with the very... yes. Blue, like blues and reds, like the houses are all painted different colors and yellows. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what the inside of Mary Brown's looks like. Well, I know the only reason I know about Mary Brown's is because I think uh, Brent told me that when him, Tom, and Pat went out to visit Nathan Smith down east, um, they must have eaten at Mary Brown's chicken like five or six times. I love how they go all the way that's out definitely. east. Uh, they, they go out east for like two weeks or whatever, they don't eat lobster. They don't have fish and chips. Maybe they did, but I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's local delicacies. They I'm sure they had. did stuff like that, too. Sometimes you need a quick meal. <sighs> it happens. I don't know. It happens. You can't have a, deli- uh, you can't have a culinary adventure every single <laughs> meal. By the way, uh, before we dive into part two, I just uh-huh. want to say, you know, we ended the 
part one talking about which one is the better album, Turn or uh, was it? Or are you are arguing for the Sea um, of oh, um, No Cares? That's what it was. Sea yeah, of No Cares. Yeah. Uh, Jake, who is the Great Big C super fan, sides with me. He thinks Turn's really? better. Yeah, he thinks Turn's better because it, uh, I think it has more of the songs like he loves, and also because uh, it has Captain. What is it called? Captain Wareburton on there, and he loves that one. That was one of his favorites. Uh, so that's Jake also that thinks one. Jake also thinks Thor: The Dark World was the best Marvel movie to date. So, I mean, you know, no one bats a thousand. <laughs> and I love Thor, and I'm a Thor super fan. And even and I like that movie, but I can honestly say it wasn't the best. Uh, right. By the way, before we dive in, you saw Doctor Strange. It has been done. I have seen Doctor Strange. Yes. Okay. Did you uh, did you have a nerdgasm for the 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 cameos? We'll just say. Absolutely. I knew you would. <laughs> so the one cameo. Okay. So we're talking about. I'm not going to say which cameo it was. Okay. But it was one that was not hinted at in any other material besides going to the movie and seeing it. Now, my wife. She was seeing it for the first time too. She did have it spoiled for her. Oh, okay. That's um, but she didn't spoil it for me. So when I saw it, I grabbed my face. <laughs> like that looked at her. And then she she said that made it all worth it for her. So that's nice. That's sweet. Yes. It, it was uh everything I was hoping for. <laughs> and what's funny is about that scene, I'll just call it it's it, the Illuminati scene. It doesn't yeah. give anything away about that. Yeah, because if Illuminati you, scene, if you read it's comics, all that I've been able to think. It's all that stuck with me from that movie. Yeah. Oh, me too. Like I still thought it was a great movie. I enjoyed everything about it, but it's that scene. Yeah. I liked how we went into this world that felt very lived in. It felt like these superheroes have been at it for ages, and we just get to see them work together as a team, talk to each other. It was awesome. Yeah. So I want me some more of that. That's what I was, oh, oh, because there's another huge cameo at the end. And that was cool, too, but it wasn't as cool as seeing when I saw the Illuminati scene. It's just that that blew my mind. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, you know what? They're, they can keep making these MCU movies forever. I'm going to enjoy all of them. I'm going <laughs> to give them all seven thumbs up. It's just how I am. Even if they stink. I know people hated the Eternals. There's still stuff about the Eternals I liked. Like, I'm going to like all of them. You know, the one thing that pissed me off, and it's not nothing against Doctor Strange, it's, I just feel bad because I was telling this to your brother last night, we know, for dinner. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, Cap, Iron Man, Thor, they all got to make movies like sequels that felt like they got their own stories elaborated on. Whereas Doctor mm. Strange, he has to feed this weird beast that, that, like, wherever the MCU is taking it in this direction. So, like, we got to use Doctor Strange to feed this beast of, like, the multiverse. You know what I mean? And we need Doctor Strange as the catalyst. Um, Whereas, like... Yeah, he, well, he's, he he's, he's, the new, he's the new Tony Stark. He's so leading I, where this whole story is going. Uh, yeah, but I, that, that could be... But look, look, at, look, at, look at Civil War. That was Cap's final, well, at least with Chris Evans at the helm. His final movie, and that was like Avengers one and a half, you know. Um, yeah, Thor Ragnarok might as well have been a buddy comedy between yeah. him and Hulk. 
you know, like, and it's always been like that. And I think in this world, in this MCU, um, all the characters live together. So of course they're going to team up. They work better as a team than solo. Well, I know, but I mean, I guess the only thing is, uh, with, at least with civil war, the cap was one of the people who was driving civil war. So it's not like, you know, like in the comics where civil war was, you know, it was Iron Man versus Tony Stark. Or sorry, mm-hmm. I- Iron Man versus Cap. Yeah. And then uh it's like it's not like in the comics it was like Doctor Strange versus Iron Man, but then they kind of like shoehorn Cap into this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I, know, I know what you mean there. Yeah. So it is it is still like a cap driven thing with him as, as a catalyst. But yeah, I get it. It set up the events for Infinity War and everything like that, but <clears throat> I don't know. You still got I, your gripes, huh? No, no, it's like I, I love the Doctor Strange movie. I just, uh, because I didn't, I don't read as much. Like I didn't read a lot of Doctor Strange growing up. It would have been nice to just fight, see him fight like his own people. You know what I mean? Who like who he usually squares off against in the comics. I sort of did. He fought Mordo there. Mordo. Yeah, that, was one the, of his that was the first things. one. That's the first one was great. I'm talking yeah. about the second one. No, that was the second. He was. They fought again. Oh, oh, you said Mordo. Sorry, I was thinking Mordo. You were thinking uh, Dormammu. Yeah, I was yeah it's, it's, he, he, he fought Mordo. Um, you know, <laughs> the end cameo is a hundred percent Doctor Strange. Um, and then what's it called? All the stuff with um, uh, but about the, the the squid monster at the beginning. That's okay. based on Shu Gorath. They called it Gargantuan in this, but that's oh, a strange okay. one. All right. So you got um, all kinds of it's. The, he's got his own thing happening. Plus the world he's you know with with Wong. And uh, the horse uh, cow guy, which they didn't really get into, but the cow guy's a guy, um, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, uh, they're doing their thing. All right, it, it is good, but yes, it set it, it set up bigger things. But still, I'm, I, if I get into nitpicking, it's going to ruin the movie for me, and I don't want that to happen. I want to enjoy these for a long time. No, I, I loved it. I'm not. Uh, yes. I'm not saying. Like okay. I think I enjoyed it more than other people around me. Kind of were like, mm, but I think if you and I ever did a review podcast, it should be called Seven Thumbs Up. With Dead or <laughs> I mean, we can always do an off topic, like off topics is a uh, movie reviews, <laughs> movie reviews, and just how much we it loved off, it. Just say off topic, seven thumbs up. People be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, let's get hey, you know what? We've got a whole bunch of great big C albums here, we got four of them that we're going to cover. And uh, there may be more than one that gets seven f- thumbs up for me. <laughs> so let's uh, dive into part two of our Great Big C deep dive. We're going to do a deep dive into the Great Big C. There it is. <laughs> All right. Great Big C would release their sixth studio album on February 24th, 2004. And it was produced by Michael Philip Wojewoda. Now he's got some cred eight Juno nominations to his name. Uh, He produced To Sir With Hate from the post-punk band uh, The Fifth Column, which has twice been nominated for the Polaris Music Heritage Prize. I told you how they will retroactively award that uh, prize to albums from the past, which I think is how every award show should do it. The (laughs) Grammys should be honoring records right now from 2012. That's what should happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, because it's hard to tell what albums might have just been some like flash in the pan, exactly. And, and what actually, like, look at Macklemore, 
that guy hasn't uh, had a, a great hit since he split with Ryan, uh, what's his yeah. name, Ryan Lewis. I was just watching. I've told you about Todd in the Shadows before, right? I think so. Well, he just did his. He did. He does this thing called One Hit Wonderland, where he profiles a one hit wonder, and he did it on Bobby McFerrin. And <laughs> Bobby McFerrin, as much as I love, don't worry, be happy. It won Song of the Year at the Grammys, beating Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And uh, even just like yeah, what he's doing, and don't worry, be happy with all the multi tracking and the positivity. I love all that stuff, but come on. You can't objectively say it's a better song than Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. I wonder whatever happened to his second song. I'm worried. Need money. <laughs> he actually had a whole... He's been releasing albums ever since. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, he's an avant-garde jazz guy. Oh, okay. So he has his own and, little niche pocket. But this is probably the first exactly. thing that actually had uh, crossover appeal. Exactly. It's it's like if um, Yo-Yo Ma had a one-hit wonder. Right. You know, and they had a pop song that took off, you know? Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, he's a real bum. Don't hear people <laughs> say that. <laughs> what a wonder hack, that Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're not talking about Yo-Yo Ma. We're talking about Michael Philip Ojoota. And uh, he also produced Buffy St. Marie's 2015, uh, Power in the Blood, which won, which won the Polaris Prize. And he's earned acclaim for producing Faithlift by Spirit of the West, Hi, How Are You Today by Ashley McIsaac. So he's got the Celtic thing down. And for my money, the greatest Canadian album of all time, Gordon by the Bare Naked Ladies. So let's just say Philip uh, Michael, oh, sorry, Michael Philip Ojuwoda. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll say. It's pretty good. Uh, this album saw strong. I didn't even say what the title of the album was. Something beautiful. Something beautiful. I didn't even write it in my script. Oh my God. See, I need someone to proofread my scripts. <laughs> <laughs> so something beautiful. So strong, strong immediate sales, reaching number four on the Canadian charts. But sales would fall off. And that seems to be the trend with every album, Canadian album, that is. Uh, after that, it's only got gold status to this day. And you'll see that with the rest of these great big C albums. They all manage about gold status. Uh, just two singles were released from Something Beautiful. Neither would chart. The kickoff track shines right through me. It's It's a nice little song. Uh, But the standout for me on this album is When I Am King. The world will sing when I am king. The world will sing when I am king. An upbeat track that really is the epitome of the post-play adult contemporary sound that the band had been searching for. Uh, Their most electric single since their cover of Drunken Sailor back on their first uh, album. And it's got a hell of a chorus that's going to just keep you in a positive vibe for the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Love that, too. Play a little bit for you, will ya? The hero always saves the world. The villains get what they deserve. The fallen always get the going. I am king. Ah, I feel like a king. <laughs> Other tracks of note on this disc include Helmet Head, where Bob Hallett finally gets to shine on lead vocals. It's a funny tune about a hockey player trying to get laid. It has a great Newfoundland traditional feel to it. So goodbye. Very well. There's no time for delay. You see me at the face of a catch and play my play. So goodbye. Very well. I'm glad you shared my bed. 
Now, with this being Hallett's first lead vocal outing, figured I'd give you a little background on him. Kind of the unsung, pardon the pun, unsung member to this point of Great Big Z. You get it? You didn't sing any of the tracks? I got it. You got it? Okay. All right. He's found tremendous success in the world of musical theater. He served as the Newfoundland music consultant for the Tony Award-winning Broadway production Come From Away, which tells the tales of passengers from 38 flights forced to land in Gander, Newfoundland on September 11th. This thing won all kinds of Tony Awards. And uh, it's played in England. It's played all over the world. And uh, here, a movie might be in the works. Uh, I wonder if Bob Hallett's going to be in it. I would hope so. Just got to show up and play a squeeze box at some point. <laughs> That's the thing. You know how, like, in Hawaii, they give you a lay when you get off the plane? Yeah. You land in Newfoundland, Bob. Bob Hallett plays a squeeze box for you. Can you imagine, by, like, the third day, just like, these fucking tourists. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. I don't, don't want to sit there in the squeeze box. <laughs> My wrist hurts. <laughs> yeah. My oh, throat, oh. throat hurts. My wrist hurt. <laughs> can you loosen? Can you change my catheter? Let me go home. Oh, well, you know what? His musical theater aspirations don't end at Come From Away. In 2016, he composed and arranged an adaptation of Shakespeare's As You Like It for the Stratford Festival. And this version takes place in Newfoundland in the 1980s. Uh, and he also co owns Aaron's Pub on Water Street in St. John's which is known as the Kitchen Party Place. It's a very, very high-profile pub that uh, all kinds of bands stop in and play. Small, intimate, kind of, kind of. I saw some pictures of it online. Kind of looks like Solanche, the old Solanche bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That place is gone now, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if it just folded up shop or if it got replaced by something else, but uh, or it could have been just a uh, another casualty of the all the condos getting built in Hamilton now. That's such a great bar. You know, I'll never forget. I was, were you there the one night where this one jackass was trying to do pull-ups on the, uh, yes, a drunk man. Yes. (laughs) They kept calling you mountain of a man. He was talking in an Irish accent. He wasn't Irish. He was just being an ass. And him and his friends were looking at you. They're like, mountain of a man, mountain of a man, mountain (laughs) of a man. And then he jumped up and started doing chin-ups on the, like the, the ceiling beams. Yeah, the cross beams to hold the thing up, and he just like he slipped and just like fell onto a table. Just like yeah. Right oh, the guy was nuts. We got the fuck away from him. I think we left our table. Yeah. <laughs> so these people successfully stole our table from us, just by being obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't happen every day. Usually, I'm the obnoxious one. Yeah. Well, if if we wanted to have uh, to spill some tea on some of your drunken obnoxiousness. We'd be here all night, but uh, just we'll listen keep... to the last episode. <laughs> we'll keep it going. Yeah, you'll you'll get a taste of it there. Um, other notable tracks from Something Beautiful. We're gonna go from Bob Hallett back into Something Beautiful. They include "Beat the Drum," which is a partial cover of a song by the Scottish band Runrig, and the song "John Barber," which is based on Willie O. Winsbury, aka Child Ballad Number One Hundred. It's a traditional tune about a king who's basically struck by the beauty of the man who is set to marry his daughter. It's a very, the lyrics are weird in that one. <laughs> did, you, did you listen to that one? Uh, yeah, I listened to the whole album. Yeah, because that, that, that was one that stuck out to me, because he's, he's like, he's basically, he, he wants to have this guy killed because he's marrying his daughter. Then he needs some, 
And he tells him, like, something like, if you weren't marrying my daughter, I'd want to lie in bed with you. <laughs> so then he's like, I want to give you my, my castle. I want to give you this in my daughter's hand. Like, I want to give you my daughter and all of my riches. But this guy is like, well, no, sir, those di- riches go to your daughter. Like, he's the most upstanding gentleman you could yeah. possibly imagine. Yeah. It saves some awkwardness because, you know, the daughter's not going to want to go to their wedding. <laughs> You know, that'd be pretty awkward. There's uh, my dad and my ex-husband. <laughs> God, this is awkward. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Uh, something Beautiful cleaned up at the East Coast Music Awards, and Great Big C would also receive a Juno nomination for Group of the Year in 2005, but they lose to Billy Talent. Uh, they'd also be nominated for Music DVD of the Year for a compilation of music videos and uh, a live concert they put on. Uh, but they lose to Blue Rodeo's DVD in Stereo Vision. Uh, what did you think of Something Beautiful? Um, I liked it. I mean, you said it perfectly at the start. It was just like it was a big swing for the adult contemporary. Um, it's uh, they put their Great Big C stamp on it, so they still they definitely still tried to add their own little thing to the adult contemporary and like not mm. completely just go straight pop. But I mean, like y- you get a song like Sally Ann. Sally Ann, Sally Ann, Like Sister Hazel could have done that fucking song. It's like <laughs> it, it, it literally reeks of '90s pop rock. Like it's like it should have been in some like Gen X movie where like a girl was like running up the street in a rom com or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it comes out in 2004, so it's like if it came out in '94, they could tour with Sister Hazel. But they're a little bit late for that. I know, but I'm just saying that was the vibe that I got with that song. It's just yeah, it was just very catchy as all hell. It was very nice, but uh, it just didn't feel like Great Big C. I said what I said about this is not a bad album. I said it was decent. Uh, I have no real strong opinions about it at all, though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's... it just kind of sits there. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it, it'd be really hard-pressed for me to find a bad Great Big C song. Yeah. But it doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, it's I a, it's a add... come-and-go kind of album. Like, you listen yeah. to it, it's like, it's nice. You might play it uh, occasionally, but it's definitely not one. It's not an up. It's definitely not a play where it's definitely going to find in heavy rotation. In fact, I really only had, like, three great songs from it. Uh, when yeah. I Am King, Helmet Head, and Love. I really love the song Love. Yeah. Uh, Sean McCann ballad would have had a bit of a reggae feel to it. So <laughs> yeah. if you're ever curious about what Great Big C reggae would sound like, check out Love. <clears throat> All right. Well, Great Big C's next album was released on October 11th, 2005, and it was called The Hard and the Easy. Now, Alan Doyle, Bob Hallett, and Sean McCann all co-produced this one. I believe the first time they had produced an album since their, their debut. Is that yeah. correct? I think yeah. so. Yeah. And it, was, it served as a return to form for the group. No originals on this album. All songs were either traditional East Coast tunes or cover songs. Um, and it actually performed a little bit better than Something Beautiful. It got to number three on the charts. And again, gold status. Uh, two singles were released. 
you have the excellent sea shanty, Captain Kidd. And most wickedly I did as I sailed. My father taught me well to shun the gates of hell, but against him I rebelled as I sailed. I think I told you last week when we were drinking in the backyard, our respective backyards, that uh, my wife listens to that podcast, the McElroy Brothers. Yeah. And yeah, he was like performing Captain Kidd on one of the uh, episodes that they were doing. Yeah. And I was like, ah, it's Great Big Sea! Freaked <laughs> out. Yeah. Actually, that's one of my favorite uh, Great Big Sea songs, Captain Kidd. I really like that one. A tribute to the pirate William Kidd. And uh, the other single was the call and response song. It actually kicks off the album. Come and I will sing you the 12 apostles. Come and I will sing you. What will you sing me? I will sing you five oh. What will the five be? Five firemen under the bush for gospel preachers. It's Bob Hallett's debut on a great big C single. So look, he's moving up in the world. He gets a song <laughs> to sing and now he gets a single. I was going to say, it was kind of like, do you remember back in the day? I'll, I'll remember this like it was yesterday. How many music videos you and I saw debut on Much Music at your house? A lot. <laughs> yeah. But one memory I have in particular was we're watching it and they debuted I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. And you and me are watching the video and they've all got a little solo. Okay. And I don't know if you remember, Kevin... He never sang a solo <laughs> on any of those singles. I don't know if he sang on the album. I haven't gone through the Backstreet Boys discography. But to my knowledge, he had never sung before. And I remember the camera shifts to him, and I went, no way. <laughs> and he does his little, now I can see that we're falling apart. And I was like, they let him sing. It's kind of like with uh, Bob Hallett. I was, I was kind of happy for him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Jake was telling me last week when we were talking about Turn versus See uh, uh, No Cares that um, what did he say? The the Alan and Sean have said about Bob Hallett is uh, like he would make anyone like the best band in the world because yeah, I can't believe that. Like, it was something like that. He's like uh, he's like other bands are missing out because they don't have a Bob Hallett. And because uh, he plays like seven different instruments, like you would yeah. leave Great Big C would be very stripped down without Bob um, yeah. or they'd have to get like three or four other people to fill in what he does. Plus his little baritone or uh, what yeah. register is that? That's baritone, right? Uh, he sings in a pretty good baritone. It's not like a, you know, Charlie Tuna or super duper right. bassy kind of thing, yeah. but it's, it's a baritone or it's a deep tenor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he just he just rounds them out so well, and he offsets the like like I've, I've found that the Sean songs are very earnest and very sweet. The the Alan songs can be very catchy or cheesy, whereas his are just like the hell is this? This is a Bob the Ringo song. songs. Exactly, they're the Ringo yeah, songs, yeah. or what did we say in the Sloan episode? They're the uh, the Andrew songs. Andrew Scott, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I like that kind of tradition where you have the odd duck. That sings occasionally. And actually, what with um, Come and I Will Sing You, it sounded familiar to me. And I was trying to figure out what it was. So I Wikipedia'd Come and I Will Sing You. It is actually, it has been used as a Christmas carol before. Yeah. Because it's a hymn. Yeah. And I definitely heard it used as a Christmas carol before. So it had that familiar way to it. Uh, there's nothing really over overtly Christmassy about it, other than they're talking about the apostles and it's a religious holiday. Well, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's where I'd heard it before. 
Well, they were also doing like accounts in it, so it's kind of like the Twelve Days of Christmas. Yes, where you count back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, great song, great song. Uh, this album is awesome. Uh, to this point, it is my favorite album next to play. Uh, I was a huge fan of The Mermaid, which was a cover of a tune by the legendary poet Shel Silverstein, and Concerning Charlie Horse by Sage Br- Brush Sam. Uh, I also really like the ballad The French Shore and Cod Liver Oil, which is another one by uh, Johnny Burke. Of course, Johnny Burke wrote The Night That Patty Murphy Died, right. and one other that I'm uh, forgetting. What was this other one? Uh, Way back on. I can't remember if it was up or if it was from the self-titled. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't eyes to the vibe, was it? Might have been. Might have been. Anyway, uh, Brian, what did you think of the Heart of the Easy? It was good. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely a certainly a pivot from the adult contempo, and uh, oh, Siskel's all around. Well, I think it's also an example of them listening to their fans. Yeah, I think the fans wanted that kitchen party stuff. Yeah. that they weren't getting on these releases that were, like you said, they were more adult contemporary. So they're like, all right, let's give them what they want. And they gave them a full album of uh, sea shanties and traditional tunes. It's like, now, uh, sorry, it's like um, yeah. a couple years back when that Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out, when that original trailer dropped with like the terrible looking Sonic. Yes. And fans went ballistic and they're like, okay, maybe we've got to retool this thing. And then it looked great. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, remember last week how we were talking about that Alvin and the Chipmunks movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched it. Alvin and the Chipmunks. It was uh, Chippendale. Or, sorry, Chippendale, yeah. Uh, I watched it today. It's on Plus. Yeah. It was actually, I liked it. It was fun. It's it meta. I told you it would be good. Uh, but there's a whole bit uh, because Dale, I'm not going to give away too much, but there's a scene where Dale's doing like a, a, like a retro like fan con thing. So like people from the 90s are there and. So yeah, I've seen the in, trailer, yeah. In the booth next to him is Ugly Sonic. <laughs> and they do like all these that. like they do all these things with like they don't even call him Sonic. They're like, oh, Ugly Sonic is right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's the same type of thing. They listen to the fans and it was a success. Well, despite overwhelmingly positive reviews from you and I, um, again, Great Big C just won Juno nomination. Uh, it was for Roots and Traditional Album of the Year, and they lose to the Ducks. And their self-titled release. What kind of Mickey Mouse band is called the Ducks. This thing on. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I said, what kind right, of Mickey it, Mouse band is, is called the Ducks? I was quoting Bugs Bunny in Space Jam. <laughs> the Ducks is a family name. It's spelled D-U-H-K, and it's a family band like the Rankin family. They call themselves okay. Ducks, yeah. Or an aqua. We're going to form a family band and you are not invited. <laughs> What's that from? Anchorman. When, uh, Sounds like a Will Ferrell, yeah. When Champ and all them are, are having an intervention with Will Ferrell and he's getting all defensive about uh, Veronica. And he's like, we are going to get married on top of a mountain and we are going to have a family band. And you are not invited. <laughs> I want to circle back to the tracks from the Heart of the Easy for a second here. Because I left out one of the best songs on the album. I'm surprised you didn't catch me. That song, The River Driver. I courted with a pretty girl. T'was her caused me to roam. 
No, I'm a river driver and I'm far away from home. And the reason I point this track out is it's one that Alan Doyle performed with his good friend Russell Crowe, Scott Grimes from ER, American Dad, The Orville, whole bunch of stuff, and Thunder Bay's very own Kevin Durand. Get drunk whenever I'm ready, get sober by and by. And if this river don't drown me, this down I'll mean to roam. We're about to have a, a, a statue built of this guy up here in Thunder Bay. They did this serious? to promote that one. Everyone know. Okay, so Kevin Durant, if you were to go to Ancaster and go, boy, that Kevin Durant's a hell of an actor, they'd be like, doesn't he play for the Brooklyn Nets? And you have to be like, no, that's Kevin Durant, <laughs> right? And then they wouldn't know what we were talking about. Up here in Thunder Bay, you could say, uh, you know, oh, Kevin Durant had a hell of a game last night. They'd be like, no, it's Durant, and he's an actor. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, I know who he is, though. I've seen a bunch of Of course, because you're a movie guy. Plus, I, I relate to him, because uh, I first saw him in the movie, uh, what was it, Mystery Alaska. Yeah. And, oh, boy, uh, so he's got long connections to Russell Crowe, because they were together in 310 to Yuma, too. Oh, were they? Yeah. I forgot he was in that. Uh, but the, there's a scene, if you haven't seen Mystery Alaska, basically Hank Azaria left Mystery to live in New York, and he writes an article about the town for Sports Illustrated, so they gets all this buzz, and they do an exhibition game against the New York Rangers. And so there's a scene where the Rangers touch down via helicopter, and all the players for Mystery are like walk, or watching them walk by, and they're like, wow, they're so big, they're a bunch of giants. And then Kevin Durand is... Or sorry, you said it's Durant or Durant? Durant! The basketball player is Durant. Right. So, sorry, Kevin Durant is like, they're not so big. And then this one giant walks by. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I remember that scene. Uh, and They also, called him Tree. That, that, sorry, I always connected with him because they called him Tree. And that's what you always call me. Tree McGee. <laughs> I also want to let everyone know that Alaska is nowhere close to Thunder Bay. So don't be like, you hey, really had experience in that cold. Uh. <laughs> further south than alaska all right well they did this to promote the uh ridley scott epic robin hood in 2010 and um uh, alan doyle had a role in that uh alan adale was the name of his character so he kind of got to keep his name a little bit yeah they would do several mini concerts uh across the world you can look these up on youtube as a quartet doyle would start he performed the river driver and they'd all sing the chorus, and he would sing the verses, and they'd get the whole crowd to sing, you know, I'll, do when I'm I'll drink till I'm dry, get drunk when I'm married, da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's like nothing. A lot of riddled to do's for me. Um, <laughs> and then Scott Grimes, who is a hell of a freaking singer. I know, I was surprised. He used to sing with um, band from TV, right? Yes. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Hugh Laurie and uh, Bonnie Somerville and a bunch of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pool loves that. Uh, yeah. Uh, he would join them at some point, and he would do Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. And then they close it all out with Doyle, Grimes, and Durand. And Durand, he's not like a professionally trained singer, but he gives this performance his fucking all. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. They would sing Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston, and Russell Crowe would just stand there smoking cigarettes. Yeah, th that's why like, I, I first heard... <laughs> I, I first he just heard, so not present. He's just there smoking. <laughs> well, 
I almost appreciate that more because he's uh, he, out of all of them, he's the biggest star. But like, he yes. kind of takes a back seat. Like, kind of shows uh, he doesn't have an ego, or he knows he's not a strong singer. He, one of the two. Um, but I first saw it on YouTube, where the like. But unfortunately, it wasn't the full performance. He's caught it like kind of midway through because someone probably I think they were in Italy or France. And they're doing yeah. this thing, and uh, Alan Doyle has his acoustic out. But yeah, Russell Crowe's sitting there with a the hoodie and jeans and smoking. <laughs> like, eh. But then, like, they each take a solo. And it, when uh, when Kevin Durant went and when Scott Grimes, like, the crowd was going nuts. They loved both oh, of them. Yeah. Over, damn all these beautiful girls. They only want to do you dirt. They'll have you suicidal, suicidal. Yeah, yeah. They give it their all. They they left nothing on the floor, and it was it's an awesome little uh, video. I'm sure you'll post it on uh, the old IG to get people hype about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the four of them would would develop a strong friendship. Uh, they'd appear together on an episode of The Republic of Doyle. Uh, Grimes and Doyle would appear together for an episode of Murdoch Mysteries, and then Alan Doyle, Kevin Durant, and Russell Crowe all appeared together in the critical and commercial flop, A Winter's Tale, which has Colin Farrell in it, Jennifer Connelly, William Hurt, Will Smith is in this movie, and uh, did nothing at the box office. It's apparently terrible. <laughs> Somehow they got all these huge actors to be in it. <laughs> uh, Doyle was actually part of Russell Crowe's band at one point called The Ordinary Fear of God and produced several of their albums. I did, if I had had time, was going to listen to a couple of the Doyle Crowe collaborations because they even put out an album that's just called the you know, Crowe and Doyle Part 3 or something like that. Yeah. Um, However, I didn't get a chance to do it. I actually have not heard of too much of uh, Russell Crowe's solo work, but I just know that he's a huge Great Big C fan. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see exactly where or how he caught wind of them and how they kind of mm. like first connected. If like if he was a fan first, or if uh, I don't know, maybe Alan Doyle has an agent and they put him in touch, and he's like, and then that kind of you know the the business way, or if it's actually more uh, natural. It's actually kind of funny. I remember when he was promoting one of his albums. He was promoting a movie, too, but he was on Conan. And yeah. Conan's like, hey, you got a new album? He's like, oh, yeah, this is the new album. And uh, produced by Alan Doyle of Great Big C. And Conan's <laughs> got no idea who that is. He's like, well, that's great. <laughs> that carrot-top-looking oh. freak. You think that being a virus background <laughs> and also being from Boston, you think that he would have heard him like roll through town at least once. Oh, well, we, we, we talked about this before, how, like, like Sloan got their gig on Conan just because they were in New York and there was a major blizzard and whoever was going to perform couldn't do it. So they are just like, who's nearby? And they grabbed Sloan. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that it's a similar story for Blue Rodeo when they got on Conan. So, 
you know. <laughs> it's weird how sometimes these connections are made. Yeah. All right. Well, getting back to Great Big C, aside from releasing the hard and the easy, Great Big C would also release a podcast back in 2005. To my knowledge, one of the first bands to ever do so and explore that medium. Now, their episodes weren't two-hour yarns like ours are, <laughs> what podcasts have become. They're like 15 minutes. It would be uh, basically clips of the band bantering back and forth, and then they played a couple of Great Big C songs. They played some songs by some other artists, and that was basically it. And they do them annually. So I think they did like one in 2005 up to like 2008. They did one each year. And uh, yeah, that was how podcasts used to be done. See, that's interesting because you think that because uh, newfies are well-known storytellers, right? Yeah. And uh, they, they have a gift for the jibber-jabber. So you think that the they wouldn't have been long little yarns. I don't know how much involvement they had in these podcasts. This might have been just something like where the record produ- their agency, talent agency, was like, ah, podcast, wave of the future. Right. And they were like, all right, well, record us in the studio and that's yeah. what they got you know it, it yeah, might not right. have been you know they, they were super eager about it it was a very new medium at the time that's i don't even think i had an ipod yet in 2005 no i got my first ipod uh 2000 summer of 2006 or seven and they were ridiculously expensive oh super expensive <laughs> i would take my sister's old beaten up ones when she would get done with them because i'll just take them Right, I remember I had a shuffle. I got a shuffle free from the bank at one point. Those little tiny, like yeah, yeah. square ones. I had one of those. I loved it. I used it. It's it was better than anything I knew. But also, I still listened to CDs back then. Right. So, you know. Anyway, where was I? I was talking about a podcast. Dumb. Oh, in February two thousand and six, while touring British Columbia, Great Big C's tour bus would tip over into a ditch and onto its side. Now, thank goodness, no injuries uh, were reported, but the accident backed up traffic. Now, they were traveling from Surrey to Vancouver. If you are from the West Coast, I don't know anybody on the West Coast who listens, but if you are from the West Coast, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Apparently, it backed up traffic as far away as Chilliwack. Is that something? We, it, makes, it makes Canada really sound like it's full of these one-horse towns. It's like one bus tips <laughs> over. It's like, oh, it's backed up to Chilliwack. <laughs> I don't know Vancouver geography. I don't know. know. Anyway, all the band was fine. None of them were hurt. And they even played the show that night. So there you go. So it's a real Tippecanoe and Tyler 2 situation. Yeah. All right. Great Big C's eighth. Wait. Huh? How's that Tippecanoe and Tyler 2? I was just making a joke because the band tipped over. I was just calling it (laughs) Tippecanoe. Relax. So, you know, once he explained it, it was funny. Yeah. Keep up. Keep up. All right. Well, Great Big C's eighth studio album, Fortune's Favor, was released on June 24th, 2008. Now, Brian, we were talking about Conan O'Brien earlier. Yeah. You know how on his show he has the Chuck Norris Walker, Texas Ranger lever where he will just on a dime pull that lever. Yeah, I am thinking we need to start having a button for this performer. Okay? Because Fortune's Favor was produced by none another than the man who had the best solo in all of Waving Flag, Mr. (laughs) 
Hoxley Workman. Hit that button, Brian. And we'll reach us and we'll see there it is. <laughs> you know, do you have that just that little clip saved? You probably do. No, I keep having to like re-edit the uh, <laughs> I gotta I gotta pull it out of the wave and flag song every time because I just forgot I don't think about it. I'm gonna start to now. You know, if we ever do a Hoxley Workman episode, which we probably will at some point. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. There he is. So what I was saying was, if we ever do a Hoxley Workman episode, which we probably will at some point, um, I guarantee yeah. we don't even play that clip at all. Because <laughs> he's got like 20 albums. I'm just going to start the episode with that clip. It's like, yeah. we're heavily we're <laughs> Yeah. And then we'll get it all out of the way with early. All right. Um, well, I want to cover his production credentials. As you know, he's won Juno's 20 solo albums, Hoxley Workman. Uh, but he's got some producer cred as well. He's produced work for Tegan and Sarah, Serena Ryder, Hey Rosetta, among others. So mostly Canadian artists that he's produced. Um, as per usual, the album did very well in Canada, reaching number five on the charts and achieving gold status. But this would mark the first time in Great Big C's history that they would appear on the American charts. Fortune's oh, favor reached number 49 on the Heat Seekers charts. And we talked about Heat Seekers charts at length on the Moffats episode. Basically, it just means you're an up-and-comer. You're simmering right below the top 200, but uh, you're not there yet. So it's kind of like another tier below. But once you <laughs> do make it onto the top 200, I think they, you're ineligible for Heat Seekers. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like uh, tragically hip. I think like every one of their albums has been on the Heat Seekers. Yeah, because I've, just I've definitely seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, three singles were released from this disc The Electric and Percussion Heavy Here and Now, a great little song. This is here and this is now. It's the moment that we live for and we just can't live without. All- the album's lead off track, Love Me Tonight. As well as the inspirational tune "Walk on the Moon." I'm alive. I've got one shot, and I'm taking it to you. I'm alive. I've come to realize that a moment too soon. That this is my one small step, or oh, this is my walk on the moon. Which would be the band's final single to reach the charts. It made it up to 86. Uh, it was largely compli- comprised this album of original material with the only traditional songs being Banks of Newfoundland and Road to Mirashin. Uh, as noted above, Alan Doyle appeared on the CBC show The Republic of Doyle and the song Oh Yeah from this album yeah, 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 oh yeah. serves as the Republic of Doyle's theme song. There's a lot of Alan Doyle on The Republic of Doyle. <laughs> And when I heard it on this album, Brian, I must have heard that song a hundred times. I never knew it was Great Big C until I finally listened to this disc. Really? Yeah. And I, I've heard it in so many commercials. Yeah. I've seen it in the ads for the Republic of Doyle, which I've never yeah. actually watched. But I, I had no idea it was done by Great Big C. It's so non-Great Big C. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's not as non-Great Big C. And that, as you know, it's funny. I'll give you my thoughts on it right now because 
when I first bought this album, uh, mm. and I listened to the crap out of it, I always, and it just goes to show how maturity and like really appreciating like songs and stuff, uh, changes over time. Like I, I love the singles, like the like "Love Me Night," "Walk on the Moon," and then I loved like you know "Dance Dance," "Straight to Hell," "Company of Fools." But when I've when I came back and listened to it more recently, the songs that jumped out to me more are uh, "Banks of Newfoundland." For there blows some cold nor'westers on the banks of Newfoundland. We'll scrape her and we'll scrub her with holy stone and sand. For there blows some cold nor'westers on the banks of Newfoundland. England. And I wondered if I ever again would see my London lights. We were far from the shores of England, far from our children and wives. And dream to live. Those are my three favorites now, because uh, I just and and walk on the moon still. Like those ones are my favorites because they're they're I don't know. There's just more to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Your taste changes. You get a little bit older. Yeah. And things that you'll look for in a song can be a little bit different. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I, I thought this album ruled. I oh, thought yeah. it was great. It was fantastic. This album. Yeah. Uh, to quote Ric Flair, "Not a gelding in the bunch." <laughs> I say that a lot for albums that every track's good. Uh, you know what? You All the songs that you named, I loved. The one that you didn't mention, Long Lost Love, I thought was a really great song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only one you didn't mention. But apart from that, this album kicks ass. Like, this album, through and through, every song is really, really good on here. In fact, the, I would, the only song I maybe wasn't a huge fan on, it's a good tune, I just heard it so much, would be Walk on the Moon. Yeah. Just because as like a single for Great Big C, it's it's fine, it's good. It's just it's not, you know, Lukey's boys and let the I don't want to drink a pint or anything like that. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it you know what's weird? This album, I don't know how, but it's uh remember James, our buddy Chuck's friend James? Oh yeah, I know that guy. He got I don't know if he was always a great big C fan, but he would always like when uh we talked about this album a couple times when we would hang out uh -huh. in a group and straight to hell and there was like one other song he would like i was company of fools he'd always be like singing it in my presence he was like that was our like connection and he was like he's like i have nothing else to say to you but we're gonna sing this song together and he's like okay guy looks like bill Irwin. Bill Irwin. look up the actor bill Irwin. do it right now all right this is just for me and you, this part. I think that these two are dead fucking ringers. That's the only thing I remember that guy. Is that they, he looks like Bill Irwin. <laughs> See it? Dead ringers! Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is good there podcast. There you go. That's, that's, that's all I can think. I, don't, I never really talked to him much, but that's what I remember. Oh, he's the guy who looks like Bill Irwin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I actually think we're Facebook friends, too. Uh, what, you and Bill Irwin? Well, the, the James guy. <laughs> I'm the real Bill Irwin. I'd be bragging about that. <laughs> Jeez. All right. 
At the 2009 Juno Awards, Great Big C would be invited to perform, but they'd again only receive one nomination. That was for Group of the Year. They'd lose that to Nickelback. 2010 would be a big year for the band. That January, Sean McCann would release his first solo album, Lullabies for Bloodshot Eyes, which is a great title. Uh, was met with overwhelmingly positive reviews. And it's one of five solo albums that uh, he'd released throughout his career. And uh, he'd also released charity singles for victims of the Fort McMurray wildfires and uh, for veterans with PTSD. He actually did a whole thing where he was getting donated guitars and giving donated guitars to veterans with PTSD. Oh, wow. As a way to kind of channel your PTSD into songwriting. That's cool. Yeah, it's a good. That's a, I think that's a, a really cool idea. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, journaling, writing, uh, music, anything art form is a good way to just not only just get frustrations out, but just you know express yourself. Like I remember one time, yeah. I got so mad at my brother, and I just like you know we we always fought each other and this and that, but I just like you know what we just run in circles where I just bitch and call him call him out on all these things. It never goes anywhere. So I literally just wrote all of my feelings down once. I just typed out a whole like le- like letter. It's one of those you know exercises. You write a letter, but you don't yeah. send it. Yeah. I, I wrote that. I slept for like 10 hours. I just gotten so much frustration out. I just oh, wow. I was out like a light. So if wow. Anyone, yeah. If anyone's, uh, you know, got pent up rage, I suggest that. It'll do wonders for you. <laughs> yeah. They always say hitting a pillow. It doesn't work. I lost oh. in the video game the other night, so I decided to hit a pillow and I ended up hurting my hand. Honestly, I've it just got more mad. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too. I've gotten more mad. I got like sweaty and tired. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired and angry now. This did nothing. Yeah, yo, I remember my parents got us a punching bag, and uh, my dad was like, "Hey, hey you got to actually hey, go take it out of the bag, right?" So I run downstairs and ah, <laughs> knuckles are all cut up. My dad's like, oh, "I guess I get you guys some gloves." <laughs> gotta go down there you put on the gloves <laughs> by the end of it yeah you don't have the you don't you have the fight's gone you know yeah, you throw one punch you're like all right i don't give a shit all right that's that's that all right that july great big c would release their 10th and to date final studio album safe upon the shore and steve berlin of los lobos was back in the producer's chair for this one remember he did turn and uh, I didn't like turn. So come on, Steve. I like you in Los Lobos with those sax lines. Let's just see what you got here behind the producer's chair. Now, uh, sales are great for this one. Number two on the Canadian charts. Again, gold status. And it is their best performing album in the U.S. to date. Um, it peaked at number four on the Heat Seekers. Number three on the Folk charts. And they'll never again appear in the Heat Seekers charts, Brian, because they cracked the 200 with this disc. Oh, wow. Reached number 159 on the overall album charts. That's something else. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I got nothing to add to that. That's, that's, that is something else. Unfortunately, isn't that always the case? By the time a band is close to wrapping it up, they always have their most success. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that uh, Foo Fighters documentary. And uh, the bass player, uh, he was in a band called Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah. And uh, at the the time when Dave Grohl recruited him and the the first drummer to to drum for the Foo Fighters, 
Sunny Day Real Estate was going out on a farewell tour, but it was like literally their first tour, as he described, is like where people actually showed up and were wrapping this shit up. So it always seems to be uh, how it works. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Exactly. Who's that? Uh, Paradise, Paradise Purple Park Parking Lot. Parking lot. <laughs> yeah. but there's, all, there's also like, there is a, like, oh, I don't know who sings it. There's an old hair metal one. You don't know what you got till it's gone. I, have no idea. I don't know who sings it. There's, there's, a, it's a hair metal one. Uh, anyway, just two singles released off of this one. Neither of them charted. Uh, I'm gonna go backwards here. There was "Good People," a great Sean McCann song. Good people got peace of mind, and I like to spend some time with you. Uh, that I think could be used in Newfoundland tourism videos. Uh, It just kind of sums up the friendliness of Newfoundland. I thought it was great. The other one was nothing but a song. Now, Brian. Yes. My thoughts are nothing but a song. Is it's just kind of the standard Alan Doyle single that for some reason they churn out from each album. Yeah. They all kind of, you line them up, they all kind of sound the same. You get what I'm saying? Um, like big drums, yeah. it's a little bit overproduced. It's not, it's like not his greatest song on the album. So I don't know why they're using it as his big single. I guess it's just what their minds think is they think is going to sell to people. I mean, get people it, through the door. It is a catchy song. Um, well, it's not bad. That was good. It's just it's you line them up, they all sound alike. I suppose. Um, I'm being too harsh. No, it's it's you're right though. I mean, a lot of the Alan Doyle singles because I don't know. It seems like in the you know power vacuum of who is the lead you know who is the front man of this band him or sean mccann um uh alan doyle seems to be the one who always wants to write this the swing for the fences you know mainstream pop song but it's those songs are polished you're right they are very produced very polished and uh where sean mccann's are they're a little bit different so well, and that is what makes Great Big Sea beautiful. They got little differences. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this album features uh, one purely traditional song in Over the Hills, one cover song and Have a Cup of Tea. That's by the Kinks. And what I said was the, the closest Great Big Sea will ever get to having their own country song. Have a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they also had Gallows Pole. Now, that's a traditional song. But Great Big C used the Led Zeppelin arrangement for this release. Yeah. I've got nothing but love for. Sorry, you uh, you cut it. You said I have nothing but love. For... I got nothing but love for Sean McCann. Yeah, he's a great singer, but he should not be trying those high Robert Plant vocals. <laughs> you know, like it it, it came off. Uh, if they did it at a live show, I'd be like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" Hangman, hangman, turn your head away. I think I see my sister coming, riding many a mile. 
sister, I implore you, take him by the hand, take him to some shady place, save me from the wrath of this man, save me from the wrath of this man. Putting on an album, though, a little more critical. Yeah, I guess, because when you're doing it in a uh, uh, studio, yeah. you have, not only you have the production at your disposal but you have tons of time to practice and like you can do like a hundred takes till you get the right like Aah! yeah but yeah, yeah it just it didn't sit it's still it's a good song because it's a good song but like it just i was like yeah you guys you're like, you're like with the end of the world they sped that the shit up out of that song and they made it their own yeah. this one they were really sticking close to zeppelin and i think they probably should have gone a different direction with it that's just my two yeah. cents i agree uh also, Randy Bachman from the Guess Who and BTO, he co-wrote a song on this, uh, Dear Hometown. It's an Alan Doyle song, uh, and I really liked it. It features a harmonica, and for all of the instruments featured on Great Big Sea albums, I think this might have been the first song to use the harmonica. I could be wrong. No, I, I think you're right. I can't think of too many other ones. There you go. Uh, what did you think of Safe Upon the Shore? Um, I think it's good. It's, uh, after, after the, you know, the hit machine and the, uh, the not a gelding in the bunch album of fortune <laughs> favor, I feel like it, no, I was just saying, uh, at first I thought it was, it felt a little longer, but, uh, when I look at the time and like the tracks, it's, it's about the same as a lot of the other ones, 14 songs, 45 minutes long. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I feel like there could be a song or two cut off or cut down a little bit of a chuffa. Um, but it's just fortune's favor was so great. It's hard to measure up, but honestly, they were trying to do something a bit different. I know I was critical with nothing but a song and I know I picked gallows pole to death. Yeah. I really didn't find there to be a whole lot of chuff on here. I thought this no? was a fantastic album. Oh, I, I still enjoy it. I'm not saying it's a yeah. bad album, but I really, really loved it. I think it goes hand in hand with Fortune's Favor. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite tracks: Yankee Sailor, which reminded me of the Titanic for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I think I mentioned to you that me and Bryn, I, I finally watched the Titanic for the first time in years, but I was, I was doing something else. So she was watching it and I came in halfway through. So all of like most of the stupid love story was over and I came mm. in just as the boat was hitting the iceberg. And that final hour and a half is awesome. And there's like really like scenes that stuck with me that made me like just super. Ugh. Yeah. I still have never seen Titanic. You've never seen it. No, I get it. Well, do, it, do yourself a favor. Fast forward it to when the ship hits the iceberg and you'll get all the good shit. Yeah, that's what everyone tells me. Everyone says, like, uh, <laughs> like if, if we uh, if we still had tapes, if we watched movies on tape like animals, uh, people would say, animals. skip the first tape. Everyone would just be like, just uh, do yourself a favor. Skip the first tape, put in the second tape. Yeah. It's like Campbell. This is the best series that ever existed, Ted. Just don't watch season one, episode five, season one, episode eight, season one, episode 12, season two, episode seven. Shut the fuck up. It's not that great. <laughs> yeah, anyway. that's, that's, that is our buddy, Mike. He'll, he'll sell the show to death, but he's like, skip the first season. It is, it is irrelevant. 
You can jump in and just pick up the cues from season two onward. <laughs> like, what kind of show as a crappy first? Although actually, yeah. there's lots of there's lots of shows. A lot like, of them. You got to find your your find your footing. But a lot of those are like sitcoms and stuff like that. That's true. Not yeah. these like you know these shows that are like twenty hour movies that are getting put out now. You know. Um, okay, so after Yankee Sailor, uh, Wandering Ways was one I really liked. Road to Ruin. Uh, and safe upon the shore, which I said was a beautiful Sean McCann-led acapella tune. I'm kind of turning into the Nard Dog here from the office. I'm a sucker for some of these acapella ones. <laughs> Group of the year would again be Great Big C's only Juno nomination in 2011. They'd lose to the Arcade Fire this time. Uh, and they did a couple of different things in 2012. Great Big C would find themselves with the Canadian country charts for the very first time as they backed Dean Brody on his single, It's Friday. Now, Brian, I know you don't like country, but this is a great drinking tune regardless of genre, and it plays a lot more Great Big C than it does country. I think you'd actually like this one. Yeah? Yeah. That's just about going to the bar on a Friday night. It's, so it's, it's Friday. Da 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 You know what kind of reminds me of? Uh, like it kind of actually has the melody of the Marineland theme. Okay. There's a place I know in Ontario where the sea lies. There's a place I know. Da 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 da. I don't know the words. I'm just gonna read it to do it. <laughs> I, I've been mentioning a- Andy Bernard a lot on this. Jeez. You're watching a lot of Office. I haven't really. No, it's just so seeped into my everyday life. It's like the Although, Simpsons and Seinfeld office is just, it's there too. You know, I'm not even a big office guy, but uh, I be, partially because of yo. I, I <laughs> <laughs> See, you do that because of me. Yeah. That's the thing I do all the time. Like I routinely, like I'm getting ready for work or even just like doing something mundane, just like, you know, fumbling with my keys, getting stuff ready. I'm like, I'll be like singing a song to my car and I'm just throwing the rid it do's. They do an Andy Bernard bit. That's kind of like me, him and Pam have to go out and uh, they're the two worst salespeople, him and Pam. So they have to go out and uh, cold call a bunch of businesses and he's singing all the names of this directory. He's like, Johnson Plumbing 103, <laughs> you know, something on 100 and doom and do like and she's like he's like halfway through singing something and Pam's like, you gotta stop. And he's like, it's like holding in the sneeze, I can't do it. <laughs> and he just keeps singing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go full Bernard and just start calling people tuna. I'll be like, what up, tuna? I mean, like the guy, kid you were talking about last week. I don't know your name, so I'm going to call you Charles. <laughs> That's you now. Don't know your name, so I'm going to call you Tuna. Big Tuna. Yeah. And then all, there's one episode, too, where he calls uh, Ryan, uh, BJ Novak's character, Ryan, he calls him Big Turkey. Because Big Tuna was because Jim brought a tuna sandwich to work. Yeah. And I guess Ryan must have brought a turkey to sandwich to work. And there's one where he gets a haircut, Jim, and he's like, Big haircut! You are no longer Big Tuna. You are now Big Haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, getting back to the song, It's Friday. Uh, It did great on the charts, reaching number 60 on the Hot 100 and number 7 on the country charts. And when I listened to It's Friday on Spotify, it actually kind of took me down a, um, a bit of a rabbit hole 
for Alan Doyle guest appearances. So he'd team up with Dean Brody again later for a song called Soggy Bottom Summer. And you'd like this, Brian. It features the line, Blue Jays on the radio. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the summer in Dean Brody's world, and it's part of the summer in our world, too. So I thought you'd like that. Although I hate that name, Soggy Bottom Summer. They might as well just call it what it really was, like Swamp Ass. <laughs> it does sound like, yeah, okay, it's pretty... Pretty miserable now that you think about it. I mean, uh, like, I know the Soggy Bottom Boys from uh, the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm sure yeah. that probably comes from, like, something in the olden times where, like, uh, I don't know, maybe escaping from prison or something. They got their trousers wet or yeah, something. Yeah, but the, that movie also took place in, like, the Deep South. Or, yeah. Uh, it's always soggy, soggy bottomy out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, where was I here? Uh, oh, and another thing that he did that I thought was very cool was uh, he was featured on the all-star tribute track to Spirit of the West that was done after lead singer John Mann had died. Uh, he sings a verse. He actually sings the, we arrived in December and London was cold. That's all he sings. But he's also like clearly leading the band as they're playing it. Yeah. Uh, but other people on it, Jim Cuddy, Sarah McLaughlin, Ed Robertson. It's pretty cool. And a one, two, three. That is cool. Kind of a who's who of Canadian uh, singers. <laughs> and, it's, and they're singing one of the greatest Canadian songs of all time, uh, Home for a Rest. You'll have to excuse me, I'm not at my best. I've been gone for a month. I've been drunk since I left. And these so-called vacations will soon be my death. I'm so sick from the drink. I need home for a rest. Take me home! Uh... All right, on October 30th, 2012, Great Big C would celebrate their 20th anniversary with the release of XX, a two-disc, 40-track, greatest hits compilation. If you don't want to go through all the albums, although me and Brian can surely recommend, basically, I'd say you skip Turn and skip uh, the other one that we were arguing about. No, 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 don't skip Turn. No, skip turn. Turn's lousy. No, no. What's the other one? What's, what's the one? Oh, the, oh, something beautiful. Keep something see, beautiful. No, uh, see if no cares. See if no cares. Keep see if no cares. You can skip turn. Uh, anyway, uh, skip turn and get the rest of them. Just buy the albums because I think they're all great. But if you don't want to do that, get this 40 disc compilation because it's pretty freaking thorough. Um, the package contains six unreleased tracks. I recommend Born to Believe. Heart of Hearts, where all three members get to do a little lead vocal. And also the awesome cover of Pete Townsend's Let My Love Open the Door to Your Heart. You know that one? Yeah. Let love open the door to your heart. It's, it's very good when Great Big C does it, too. When people keep repeating that you'll never fall in love when everybody keeps retreating but you can seem to get it And like all their albums, XX would sell very well, reaching gold status and peaking at number 11 on the album charts. However, 
This is where we get the first of inner turmoil within the band. Shanakan had battled alcohol abuse from a very young age. It's actually trigger warning for sexual assault. When he was a child, he was sexually assaulted by a priest. Yeah. And that kind of fucked him up. Uh, who, who wouldn't yeah, get sure. messed up by that? Um, and uh, yeah, he turned to the bottle. And as you can imagine, when you're drinking and you're on the road with a band, especially a band like Great Big C that plays pubs and stuff like that. Well, yeah, their their whole thing is like they're they're a fun party band, they're a drinking bands, and like uh yeah, not to mention everywhere they go where they have friends, you know, they're gonna wanna or the fans will wanna buy them a drink, uh, buy them a pint. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, buy them some rum. Uh he found it very difficult to maintain his sobriety, and that's 20 years on the road for him. So best interest of himself and his family. He said, at the end of the XX tour, I'm going to leave the band. However, Great Big C's management group did not handle this very well. Instead of announcing right away, this is going to be Sean McCann's last tour with the band, they waited 11 months until the tour was almost over. And he was vilified by many fans who felt that he had left the band in the lurch. They're yeah. going to break up, and it's all Sean McCann's fault, which is bullshit. Yeah. The guy has to look out for himself. What more is he going to do with Great Big C? You yeah. got to look after your health and your mental health. Well, that was the other thing, too, because I remember seeing them live, and then like I, I felt like not long after I saw them that the they're like, oh, Sean had left. And I remember thinking, like, that son of a bitch, because I don't think they fully uh, released all the reasons why. I think yeah. Sean's like, you know, sometimes people give those – canned you know just got to get off the road yeah. uh you know want to spend time with my family whatever the hell those very canned responses and so pe people you think that's a cop-out well he uh, and his wife actually would wound up writing a book about his entire experience with great big c and trying to maintain sobriety on the road and everything like that and that's when the door really got open like oh shit he needed to get off the road well, even in uh, the Nothing But a Song video, it's a lovely video where they're, it's almost like a vacation for them. They're on uh, in Grand Cayman. Yeah. And uh, just kind of doing touristy stuff, swimming with uh, man rays and shit. But there's a scene where they are drinking. Yeah. So it's like, well, like you, you can fake it in a music video if you want to keep up appearances that, hey, we're pub guys. We always have a drink, you know. But yeah. it just wasn't good for them. And, I, you know, I, I totally understand that. Um, and in 2015, now this was good, although now Sh uh, Sean McCann lives in Ottawa and the rest of the band's still in Newfoundland. Uh, but Doyle did confirm that he and Bob Hallett, um, they were still all friends with Sean and he still considers Sean his friend and his brother. They don't talk as much as they used to, but he's like, when you've been through what we've been through, you're always going to have a connection. Oh, sure. Uh, but it was also during that interview that Great Big C was officially done, at least yeah. for now. Uh, they probably will do a reunion tour at some point. They all do. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it, it always happens. They'll probably bring Daryl back, too, for the tour. It'll be a four quartet again. Yeah. It, it, it always happens. So I, I do believe at one point we will... I don't know if we'll get new Great Big C music, but you'll be able to see Great Big C in concert again. 
See, do you know what I what I actually would like to hear? As uh, almost like it's it's partially a compromise for those who maybe yeah. may not get to see Great Big C live again, but to hear them banter together, I would love to actually hear them all do, sit together and do a podcast, like tale, tales on the road, or maybe like you know tales of them making the albums, talking yeah. about that stuff. Like I think there's a lot of good stuff there that I think it would satiate the Great Big C fan base. I'm like, oh, it's great to see hear these guys together again, just joking and being pals. But it's uh, it's less of a financial commitment to you know get all the gear and shit and go back on the road, and yeah. and also have to worry about you know Sean's sobriety and all the other stuff and being away from your families and all these other things. Well, my question for you is the question I ask at the end of every episode of Canada FM. Well, every. End of the arc of Canada FM. Of course, this yeah. is a part two. Sure. Why did Great Big C not find more success outside of Canada? I mean, well, number one, the folks that are the, the Celtic stuff is very niche. Because, I mean, uh, the, the folk stuff, you know, country, adult, contemporary folk, they could have had a, a nice wheelhouse with only that, but when you, when you add in the Celtic stuff, it kind of, you know, some people might not. Brian, you and you're going to have to start again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I said, um, the, the Celtic part is very niche. Uh, like the, you know, the adult contemporary, the pop, the folk stuff is, you know, you can get a nice lane and have a good fan base through that, but adding the extra stuff, while it, it makes them who they are, it you know could also alienate some people who are just pure pop or adult contemporary or folk. You know that's all they like. They don't want this other stuff. Um, uh, even like uh, if they had held on to when Mumford and Sons got famous, maybe they and they made it more just pure folk, less Celtic. If they did a more just folk based one, maybe they could have caught a wind off so that that rising in new folk. Who knows? They definitely could have uh, caught that train. Yeah. Um. But they yeah. were still playing when Mumford and Sons came out. Yeah. Like that but, was early, like 2010s and stuff like that. They didn't really break up till 2015. So, no, the, but for, like, for, they, they were there. But what I'm saying is that, like, after Safe, Safe Upon the Shore, because that came out in, when was that? 20, 2010. Yeah. So, they, that album came out around the same time that Mumford and Sons broke. But I think if they had done a, a follow up album that was more only folk. Oh, more like the hard and the easy. Exactly. Then I think it, it okay. might they might have been like, oh, you like Mumford and Sons, you might like this. You know what I mean? They might like automated. They could have caught a algorithm based, you know, spike in fans. Uh, but yeah, I also, you know, ge- geographically speaking, I guess being from Newfoundland, it's you know, you're kind of ice. You're literally on the rock. You're kind of isolated. Yeah. You know, I was about to say that. I think that the reason why they didn't catch on, you know, in Canada, it doesn't matter where you're from. You know that Newfies are going to sound a certain way. You know that someone from uh, Saskatchewan is going to sound a certain way. People from Quebec are going to sound a certain way. Uh, we know that we all have that like regional thing. So hearing a, a sound that song that sounds like Newfoundland on the radio here in Canada it's not a big thing. It, it, like it doesn't. Wow, where's this from? You know, we can still sort of relate to it because it's part of our fabric as a country, right? Uh, but I can imagine that sound being so localized that someone from Texas 
or California, or if you want to go international from Japan, how are they going to relate to right. Newfoundland? Like, you know what I mean? People in New England might do fine with uh, that music, but uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe, the rest of the U.S. might have a harder time. Yeah, and maybe they, they probably had a small pocket of fans in the U.K. because, you know, that's where some of I think they did pretty good in uh, U.K., so, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a problem too. When you speak, when you pick a specific, uh, genre, like they did, it's, it's, it's hard to relate. Like you said, it's like, uh, it's like, um, it's like the band Rockapella, right? <laughs> well, Rockapella is a little bit different because they, it was, yes, it was all acapella, but at the same time, it was pop music, and it was something that anyone could grab a hold on, you know. Uh, well, the, the problem when, is when you're can't... doing something that's so ingrained into where you're from, or uh, where you're to, or whatever they say out in Newfoundland. I forget their dialect; it's all backwards. No offense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's and that's said with love. That's said with love. Um, it's uh, what's it called? Well, it I can think... be. It can be a hard thing for people to latch on onto. Like we talk about, like Celtic punk, like. Uh, the Dropkick Murphys. Yes, they do a lot of authentic Irish tunes, but that's got a lot of aggression to it, too. And everyone can re- relate to aggression. When you're just singing half of the, oh, she's got seagulls in her eyes, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it, it's I not mean, a language that everyone can speak. Like I think in the last episode I said, you think that uh, it would have been cool to see Great Big C tour with Dropkick, but I, I can see their fans running them out of town. They're like, this stuff is too happy. We want angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like how they're, they're just themselves. They're happy Newfoundlanders. You know what I mean? They're not going to try to put on airs to be angry for the sake of being angry. Yeah. I bet you they could pull out a killer cover of Killing in the Name of uh, by Rage <laughs> Against the Machine. They would blow the doors off, but they're not going to put that out of the album because it's not a true representation of who they are. Well, I was trying to think, like, when I said Rockapella, I was just trying to think of, uh, like, because... I can't use something like country, how that's like unique to the South or something, because country is so popular and mainstream now. I right. can't think. I can't think of another genre or another style that's so localized. That uh, uh, it, I mean, I like, don't know. I, I, Icelandic metal, death metal. Uh, there's that, but again, aggression. Everyone can get to aggression. The first thing that kind of comes into my mind, maybe especially if you're talking about the states. Um, just trying to think of regional stuff, like like maybe polka. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, polka, you know, polka gets on with a certain audience. You know, your Minnesotas and your Wisconsins and your Pennsylvanias, they have their polkas. Um, but you also have stuff like... like They'll the, be very the, big uh, in Sheboygan. Very big in That Sheboygan. Creole music in New Orleans, which it's is kind of similar to what Great Big C does. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty localized, but that kind of gets grouped into blues right. nowadays, you know, even though it is its own thing entirely. Um well, like, yeah, like, look at, uh, you know, we always talk about Blues Brothers 2000. Like, they, in that movie alone, they kind of sw- uh, mashed together a couple different genres of blues. Like, that, uh, there was that one song when they're driving up to see the Louisiana Gator Boys at the, yeah. uh, in the swamp, that really, like, swampy blues song. But, like, that's more Creole, but it, it gets lumped into blues. Yeah. That was Dr. John being all, uh, yeah. drunk piano man <laughs> uh, the other one I had kind of was kind of well we talked about uh, the producer from Los, Los Lobos uh, we both listened to the uh, 
uh, How Will the Wolf Survive album, when we were going through the 500 albums, there's a lot of traditional Mexican music on that. Right. And, um, yeah, Z- Zydelico, is that what it's called? Zydelico? I can't remember. I don't know. Um, I don't feel like looking at my phone to find this stuff. <laughs> but, you know, like they, they, there's a lot of that, that on there, too. But I, I felt like I could relate, not necessarily relate to it, but appreciate it. Well, like even look at, uh, you know, there's a genre of music that's been used as inspiration for a lot of popular bands as of late. But uh-huh. I feel like if they put it out on their own, it, it would hard to catch a uh, an audience. That's like the African kind of like pop music, like, you know, Paul Simon, Vampire Weekend. Oh, okay. All these bands used like that African drum stuff as a... Uh, Andy Smith, Black Mombazo. There you go. And uh, but I feel like no one's really clamoring to go <laughs> buy African music. Well, when uh, Rolling Stone redid, and like I'm talking complete overhaul, and I've got my thoughts on this, I'll I'll bring it up at a later point because this is the point I'm trying to make. But they inclu- included a lot more world music on there, and there was okay. a lot of African stuff, African funk that I had never heard of before. Um, that was on that list. So what about uh, that, it's, it's, those, it's slowly uh, building up. What about those throat singers? Those African like, <laughs> Well, there's also the Inuk uh, throat singers in, in Canada. Yeah. Um, and there, I, there's actually a girl I follow as an Inuk uh, throat singer. And that's becoming incredibly popular on TikTok, um, where they'll do the short videos. Um, the other thing that is becoming incredibly popular on uh, TikTok is sea shanties. And I may have yeah. mentioned this at the beginning. Yeah, we did. Um, well, we talked about it last week. But yeah, yeah. I, I've noticed that on Instagram too. It's like, well, they're reels shared from like, I think people's TikToks or whatever. But there's this one song. It's like, there once was it. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's, I'm like, why the hell isn't Great Big C in all these TikToks? Well, that's what I think. I think that people are going to be clamoring for more sea shanties, just like the McElroy brothers were doing when I was watching their thing. They wanted some sea shanties, so they busted out Great Big Sea. I think people are going to try to find some popular sea shanties, and the first thing they're going to land on is Great Big Sea, and it's going to open up, TikTok's going to open up a whole new audience of Great Big Sea fans, and that, I think, is going to help lead them to that large commercial American audience that they've been clamoring for, and that will lead them for at least another tour. Right. That's my prediction. Give it five years. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, the next generation does always seem to find other music. They always try to go for something a little bit different than, uh, you know, the what's popular. I mean, some kids do. Some some steer right into the, the shit. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's like the mumble rap, just kind of like, uh, just awful, just nonsense, trap <laughs> shit. But yeah, I, well, mean, I don't like trap. But uh, I mean, some people might discover stuff that's a little bit out there, and maybe a new generation of fans, you know, might uh, might emerge. Yeah, that's our that's our hope. You never know; these songs on TikTok go through phases. And the most obscure, strange ones will get pulled on there. And, um, oh, God. The, you know what? Hold on. I liked a song the other day because Bryn was watching TikTok, and I heard it like three times. And I think it was actually a Canadian. Um, I just had to find my liked songs. Hold on here. 
Also, I mean, while you're doing that, uh, like you and I, we we never hide our love of ska, and never. you know, ska, even though it's pay, it's uh, peak and its heyday is long behind it. You know, less than Jake, real big fish. All these bands still t- uh, sell out tours, but with each tour, the fan base is still staying staying the same age. So, like sixteen year olds, seventeen year olds are still rediscovering these bands. So, I'm sure. There's going to be a young crop of kids discovering Great Big C. So if they ever tour in the next couple of years, if they get back together, there's still going to be the old diehard fans, the the families, the older people. But there's, oh, totally. There's going to be young kids there too that'll keep it alive and help it grow. Them coming back together is going to be a success regardless. Well, well, that and I think uh, I mean not that they ever had trouble selling out here, but they could probably. With the the amount of hype uh, that a tour, like a reunion tour, would get, do you think they could probably do arenas, or maybe the OHL arenas, like twelve thousand? I think they could sell out uh, Scotia Bank Arena. Think so? Oh, easily. I wouldn't be surprised if they've done it before. I don't know. I've only ever seen them either at uh, like in the amphitheater or in a regular theater, but. Well, you'll have to forgive me. Maybe it was a lot longer ago that I, I heard the song and I liked it. I'm way back into, like, January right now. And I'm trying to find this one song. Because I remember, it, it's a Canadian guy, too. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to give up. This is starting to frustrate me. <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm, like, half listening to you. So I'm like, what is this fucking song? But before we wrap up, like, you yeah. Know, uh, before we, because uh, I think we've, I think we've yeah, covered. no, this 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 episode's basically over. We we've covered everything. No, no, we, think... we made a prediction for Great Big C's future. We covered all the albums. What I was surprised was when I did this, how of my top five Great Big C albums, uh, three of them came from the latter half. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the the hard and the easy, Fortune's Favor, and uh, safe safe on the shores. Safe upon the shore. Safe upon the shore would be two, three, and four with play number one, and then five probably up. Hmm. I didn't think about it. I'll uh, yeah. when we record our next one, I'll uh, I'll, call, I'll holler at you with an order. But uh, all right, before we wrap up, what would you say? Would you are you more of a McCann man or a Doyle man? Well, that's a good question. I I think they're kind of got the bare naked ladies thing going, where they complement each other really, really well. Right. Um, that's tough because I think Alan Doyle having that big voice being the, you know, public front man for the band, the face of the band makes me appreciate Sean McCann more. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. So I don't know if this is cut and dry as like a cut of your Keeler question, um, because I think they complement each other. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I I think when they do a song that's you know like one of their big like a big hit, I think yeah. it's 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 good and it's often like a Doyle one. But if I want something that's more emotional and earnest, I think Sean McCann is the man because we've talked about it. Like Alan Doyle sometimes comes off as a little cheese ball, whereas I don't I don't find Sean McCann's songs very cheesy. I find them very sincere. Yeah. So and maybe are. maybe it's his delivery, maybe it's his kind of softer voice. It's hard to say. 
But like I said, it's nice to hear a collection of voices on an album instead of one voice over and over again that gets old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I don't know if it's going to be for the next episode or if it's going to be the episode after that. It's basically going to be for a week where we need an episode because we're going to try to fill up every week with something. Um, it's going to be, uh, we're going to play a, uh, a little shorter episode that Brian's going to write. Um, <laughs> I will save what band it is. Should I say who it is? No, I'll save what band it is. Yeah, Surprise everybody. What? No, you, you can say it. I don't care. All right. So, so I'll say it. the next like long ass two hour diatribe we're going to do. Oh, and Brian disappeared. There he is. The next long two-hour diatribe that we're going to do is going to be Biff Naked. She's <laughs> going to be the not the first lady of uh, Canada FM, but the second lady of Canada FM. After Amanda Marshall, we're going to do a full deep dive into her. And then our first ever short episode. I don't know what we're going to call it. Short stop? Nah, that's Short stack? Short stack. I like short stack. Short stack will work. Uh, where it's just an, a band who has maybe two albums. We're going to be doing the Pop Punkers not by choice and i should say this episode was not by choice well not my choice i should say this is a brian pick because i can't say i'm a very big fan of not by choice well you wanted to do live on release and i was like eh. it would have played well with biff naked because she was their manager oh we can still do all right well we can still do no, it no, we'll do we'll do not by choice you got me all stoked up on not by choice so <laughs> we'll do that and we can talk about we've got me and brian have a bit of history with not by choice yeah. So we'll go through that, and it's only two episodes, so it'll be a quickie. And uh, Sorry, two albums, so it's going to be a quickie. And then the next big, long diatribe, whatever that comes your way, is going to be Biff Naked. So that's kind of the short forecast for Canada FM. Although, do you know what's funny? As as Jake, as, and we've all rightfully pointed out that you and I can vamp and riff with the best of them, that even though it's only two hours, we can still probably make it like almost an hour and a half, maybe? Maybe? If, if oh, will it down? No, no, I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, but not fun in that. No, no, that's why I'm saying. I said only you and I could take a two-album band and still uh, spread it out over, like, almost two hours of just... Oh, yeah, I, it depends where the conversation takes us. Right. We're going to turn on the mics expecting four, a tight 45. <laughs> yeah. We can be out for four and a half hours. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, Ruth? Yeah, we're not promising anything. We're saying it's going to be short because they only had a couple of releases. Yeah. But... It, it, it could be lengthy. We'll see. And for these shorter episodes, they're going to be ones that are a little bit more off the beaten path. They might be a new band. It might be a one-hit wonder. It might be a band you've never heard of before that Brian or I think uh, deserves more attention. It could be a band that we just think is pure cheese and we want to laugh at it. <laughs> like one band I'm hoping to do later on. But uh, Who, Headley? Uh, Oh, no, I don't want to do fucking Headley. All right, well, what, what band are you thinking oh, of? Oh, I want to do VIP. Oh. <laughs> Play me a little of that, Brian, would you? It's just my love. She's got someone else in mind. It's just my love. It happens all the time. Does it have to be this way for me? Hell yeah, because it's just my love. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know what's funny? I watched the video for Just My Luck not too long ago. And you'll notice a bunch of them are wearing hats. Yeah. And it's because they're going bald. Like, this is what happens in Canada. A, an American company, or even a British company, would try to find the five best-looking guys and hope they can sing, or they could teach them how to sing. 
right. or dance. In Canada, you find five guys who can actually sing, looks be damned. And then you're like, <laughs> how the fuck are these guys going to appeal to girls? i got thoughts on that. But so when we do that episode, I'm looking forward to it because i got plenty of thoughts on, uh, on that band. But uh, yeah, we got a bunch of good shit coming up this season. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got anything else to say? Um. No, just uh, you know, I know I've been slacking on the content only because my computer broke, and so I don't have an editing program at the moment. I'm trying to. Oh my god, your computer broke. Yeah, my uh, my. So this could only happen to me. I was moving some shit, and I uh... I, I bumped something, and it was literally like a domino effect. I bumped something. It bumped the lamp. The lamp fell forward and knocked my computer <laughs> off the desk. And so basically when I, uh, when I turned it back on, it was basically just like a huge question mark on the screen. So that, that's something to do with either the processor or the hard drive or something. Oh, God, that's funny. And so I took it to a computer shop and had to get a new hard drive. But like, so I still have my old hard drive with all my shit, all my music, all the little, like all that shit. Uh, not to mention like stuff I did for C Jam at Windsor oh, wow. and like our old episodes, just in case I ever had to go back and fix something. So yeah. I apparently my buddy Jeremy told me there's a way where you can almost like convert like an internal hard drive into more of an external hard drive. I just gotta figure out how to do that. Okay. Uh, but uh so eventually I will start editing more content again, uh, but or I'll just try to download another program or buy another program or something. But uh follow us on uh Instagram and at Canada FM and uh, I think it's Canada FM one on Twitter. Not that you really posted much there. Yeah, I've been slacking. <laughs> my computer works fine. Well, who even who actually <laughs> who uses Twitter on the actual desktop? Ninety you know percent of people use the app. I, I don't even. The only reason I, we're even doing Twitter is because our boy uh, Morty Coyle told us to be, have a Twitter presence. I I, I don't look I want Twitter ever. Oh, I'm all a, IG man. Twitter's a friggin' dumpster fire where dickheads go to you know start debating politics and have it turn into some weird exchange of racial epithets. Yeah, and meanwhile I just want to be like, uh, put up your hand if you if you if you like wave. Go to California. <laughs> you remember those guys? They're fun. That's all I'm trying to do. Hey, now, now, Elon now. Musk is in charge. He might be like, this conversation is a name. Just ban me from Twitter. No, I don't even think he's going to buy it now. I think no, that it sounds like he's chickening out. Well, I think he did it just to, uh, I think he probably already had some stock invested. So, or yeah. he wants to buy stock or something. And so I think he did it to, uh, to lower it. Because that guy, all he has to do is literally send one tweet and the stock market goes in flux. So it's definitely, yeah. it was a power move and it was a financial move. But he's looking weak backing out of the deal. No, but he's trying to make it seem he's like He's looking it was, like he's all talk. Well, that, but he's, it's, uh, I think he's trying to make it seem like it was something on Twitter's end where the, someone didn't do their due oh, yeah. diligence. It's a pivot. Yeah. It's a classic pivot. Uh, a Jeremy pivot? It's a Jeremy Pivot. Let's go with that. <laughs> I just want to say, too, before we leave, and you can't see this at home, so I don't even know if Brian's going to include this in the final cut, but you've got this, like, silver picture frame with, like, a, a, a brown square in the middle, uh, like, uh, over your shoulder. So it would be, like, where it says Real Big Fish 
over that shoulder. It's above your TV. It looks like the award, kind of from where I'm sitting, that they give YouTubers when they reach a certain amount of followers. YouTube throws this award out. We can pretend that we've got that award. <laughs> no, that's actually the uh, it's the panel for uh, like breakers and shit. That's what that is. Yeah, this is such a weird spot. Well, it's because it's not closed. Though. It's like partially Oh, okay. It looked like a picture frame or something sitting yeah. up there. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. All right. Well, I got nothing. <laughs> well, till next time. It's going to be not by choice or it's going to be Biff naked. We'll find out. Oh, tune in and find out because we're wacky. We don't know what we're doing week to week. I'm Ted. I'm Brian. Coming to who, yeah. <laughs> yeah.